<clears throat> you can cut that out, right? Dance to the daddy, sing to the mummy. Dance to the daddy, to the mummy, sing. Thou shalt have a fishy on a little dishy. Thou shalt have a fishy when the boat comes in. Hey, Ashley. Hey. What do you call a fish with no <laughs> eyes? Ah. Oh. I was going to say anything you like, but that's that's if it's got no ears, right? Yeah. Do fish, I'm not, do fish, do fish have, have ears? I don't know. That's not one of my questions. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Um, okay, we're going to have to know. drop in with that factoid later. <laughs> so the answer to this seems to be basically yes and no. According to an article by Alison Furlong at fishtanksavvy.com, fish don't have eardrums, and they obviously don't have external ears in the way that we have, but they do have something called an otolith, a bone which provides inner ear hearing, and they also have a lateral line which can detect acoustic signals, and some have a swim bladder which also senses vibrations. I don't know, tell me. A fush. <laughs> which is also how you pronounce it if you're in New Zealand. Is it? <laughs> yeah, a fush. Do, do you know what I realised quite quickly? No. I, um, I can't spell pescatarianism. Oh, me too. <laughs> Every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what is is a little bit, um, I don't know, it's, it's not really sad. It's absolutely fine. But I used to be the best at spelling in my class <laughs> when I was in primary school. And I always, always got 10 out of 10 on the spelling tests. Except for those like really bad days when I would get 9 out of 10. Ugh. <sighs> And now I'm much worse at spelling because of, like, spell check and predictive mm. text and everything. So, but you know what? Same. That's okay. It doesn't yeah, matter. it's totally fine. It's just yeah. we're evolving our needs. Same, same in maths. exactly right. Mm. And that's fine and it's all good. But it does make me kind of, like, it shakes my sense of identity to the very <laughs> core. But it's not a bad thing. No, hey. no, it's good to have a bit of self-identity shaking time, time. <laughs> absolutely i couldn't agree more <laughs> hey um so i've got a riddle for you ashley <laughs> is it are these your questions no okay alive without breath as cold as death never thirsting ever drinking clad in mail never clinking drowns on dry land thinks an island is a mountain thinks a fountain is a puff of air so sleek, so fair, what a joy to meet. We only wish to catch a blank, so juicy sweet. What could it be? <laughs> I'm hoping it's fish. <laughs> it is fish. Hooray. And that's by uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, is it? <laughs> it is. I just thought that would be fun. That um, is fun. But uh, let's, let's talk about pescatarianism. We have actually talked about it a little bit um, before, uh, but we're, we're doing a whole episode on it now. And I, I am entitling it The Pesky Episode. Oh, mm. excellent! Yeah, shoot your shot. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was thinking about uh, possible titles, but yeah, you go for it. I'm so, committed to that now. It's, it's on my on my notes and everything. So. Well, it's it's on mic. We can't do anything about it now, because <laughs> as you know, these go out completely raw. <laughs> it might sound that way, <laughs> and I, I actually do work quite hard, but um, <laughs> you, you can't tell. Um, anyway, uh, so. What's your relationship with pescatarianism? I believe your partner is a pescatarian, is that right? 
Yeah, that's that's a matter of fierce debate in our household. I, I was going to ask that. I think I've that. won. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think I hope we've that... come to a conclusion that I'm right. So. <laughs> but, well, but you'll have to ask him. <laughs> I was I was wondering if your research for this episode might have helped to like bolster up your argument a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll share this with him once we um, publish it. Excellent. As you know, I, mm. I have been fully vegetarian for about uh, twenty two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a Kenny, long, long time. I know it's, it's, it goes around quickly. Um, mm. Kenny has been for I think since he was at university but has just never stopped eating fish. And I think it's just kind of mm. in, in that habit and hadn't really thought about it. Um, yeah. But when rationalising it, he didn't necessarily have a good reason to do so because he, he's pes- well, he's pescatarian. Mm-hmm. That kind of rationale was, I think, more default than an ethical decision, I suppose. Yeah. But isn't that so true of so many of our decisions mm-hmm. in life? Yeah. <laughs> so much of it is habit rather than uh, conscious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm the same with cheese. <laughs> yes, we talked about that. Yeah, yes. still, I still haven't got over the cheese. One, um, one fun thing that I found when looking for this, and I've not been able to corroborate it anywhere else, is that okay. pescatarians are sometimes called sand vegetarians. What? And I don't know if this is some sort of... So it was on the... I think it was like a Ukrainian fishing um, website. Wow. and So I don't know if it was like a odd translation because i couldn't find it anywhere else but i've never I've been, heard that but I, it's made me so curious because i i can't yeah i couldn't find it anywhere else but i also tried like translating it and working yeah. out how how it got to sand vegetarian and i can't find anything oh that's fascinating so, in case that comes up anywhere <laughs> i would like to know if pescatarians really are called sand vegetarians somewhere in the world i like it i like it <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know if you know this about me, Ashley, but I was a pescatarian briefly. Well, I, I guess I was... No, okay, so when I, I first... I remember going mm. to a McDonald's in Disneyland and you having a... Um, oh, fish. yeah, that's right, and I got so <laughs> ill as well. Yeah. And then you made me go to, like, the Disneyland disco, <laughs> even though I said I really don't want to go, I feel so ill. Um... <laughs> the cocktails were, like, so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh ridiculous actually yeah i don't know why i did that i think i it was just hard to find a lot of really good well any vegetarian food at disneyland and i think i just felt like i needed like some kind of variety and stuff but yeah i don't know why i did that that was stupid but <laughs> i did i mean that was just a, like an aberration i didn't become pescatarian um mm. i just had that one fish sandwich but i did um i did briefly well for about a year become pescatarian when i moved to germany when i lived in germany yeah. um and the reason i did that was because i thought the previous time that I had visited Germany, I'd gone to like a small town that was like previously East Germany and you know, like the vegetarian selection wasn't amazing and the understanding of vegetarianism wasn't amazing and I was worried that I was going to come up against that. So I made a decision before I went that I was going to go pescatarian just to make my life a little bit easier and then I got there and it was actually fine like it was completely fine for vegetarian food but I'd kind of already committed at that point (laughs) so I didn't eat a ton of fish while I was there at all but I did eat I think I ate like a seafood pizza (laughs) oh lovely (laughs) yeah my dad always eats seafood pizzas Mm. I don't I don't get them yeah strange strange choice what was your kind of ethical rationale for 
doing that though because I guess you've made the decision that where you would always opt to not eat meat or fish where it has to come to your health you're happy to drop that I guess so yeah at the time anyway I mean bearing in mind this was 12 years ago you know so yeah I think I was making the rationalization that it was for health reasons but maybe I don't know like I was young you know like maybe I just (laughs) wasn't foolish (laughs) I wasn't as, as committed to my values as I am now and I don't think I realized and we're obviously going to talk about this I don't think I realized how bad like commercial fishing was for the environment I in fact I had no idea until much more recently how bad it was and I was on the fence about the whole thing about you know whether fish feel pain or not so I guess like my initial reason for going vegetarian although this evolved over time my initial reason was the environmental reasons and I guess Mm. I was kind of telling myself well fishing isn't that bad for the environment anyway blah 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 but obviously you know this is casting my mind back quite a way Mm. um and I I think I was um yeah I think I was just young and foolish and uh (laughs) You know, uh, I don't. I don't stand Doing by all that sorts decision. Of crazy things. <laughs> I'm not proud of myself, but I, you know, that's the truth. But I, I've never eaten fish or meat since then, and I started phasing out dairy not long afterwards. So I might already have started at that point. Actually, I do remember buying soy milk even when I was in Germany. Um, mm. So I obviously wasn't drinking cow's milk all the time. So you know. So I've I've only gone further and further towards veganism. Well, I've I've actually I've been vegan and I'm now over vegetarian. So I guess I have kind of pulled back a little bit, but you know, hmm. and still I I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> anyway, so let's get started. Let's get started. Let's do your questions first, and I understand you have four and I have eight. <laughs> so we're gonna do double points on your questions. We are indeed. So although I'm hoping I'm hoping that at least some of them are difficult enough so that <laughs> that balances out, okay? Yeah, we've not had so many arguments about... about the relative difficulty of the questions. I'm not even to be grade parity, with this Jesus. <laughs> okay, come okay. on. So just kind of reel in there. So ha ha ha. So there's the, a growing trend in pescatarianism alongside the vegetarianism more generally, and it is evident the health benefits to eating fish and it, although there is environmental impact, it is less than that of meat production. But of course, we have the ethical questions, which you've already touched on. So mm-hmm. question one is, do fish feel pain? Okay, I don't know what the current scientific consensus is on this. And I also know that technically there is no such thing as fish. So, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Isn't that the thing that, like, it's not a... Oh, God, what's the word? It's not, like, a scientific... It's not scientific. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's not a scientific term. It's just one of those things that's kind of emerged as a category that doesn't really have any, like, strict application. Right. That kind of makes sense. I suppose if they're, like, in uh, vertebrate aquatic scale i don't know i'm not a biologist they're ver- no they're vertebrates <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure what if they're not fish what the technical term is i haven't well, gone into I, that they but have I'll... different <laughs> anyway but it doesn't matter but um so i i would assume that at least some species of what we call fish can feel pain because they have a central nervous system and that's always been my assumption okay so you're going with yes 
I'm going with yes with a but. <laughs> no, you can't have a yes with a but. Um, okay. You are correct. Or at least the consensus appears to be yes. It's not universally agreed, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and some of the complexity does seem to come, come from the debate over our tendency to anthropomorphize pain Mm. Um, so the pain as we're feeling it may not be comparable in other organisms and sometimes it can be difficult to distinguish between this pain as we perceive it and just a physical response to harmful stimuli so this kind of led me in an interesting direction because this debate as to understand whether a fish feels pain comes down to determining consciousness because Mm. for an organism to suffer from pain it needs to have a conscious concept of itself as an agent existing through time and remembering what's happened before and therefore what might happen to it later oh really that's really interesting you're saying that in order to feel pain you have to have consciousness in that way i think pain in the way that we feel it so again it's it's trying to it's differentiating between the pain as in just physical response and pain where you have that emotional response okay but don't you think that that's potentially ableist because there might be some people who you know by that definition of consciousness Mm. do not have consciousness but that we i certainly would never say that they didn't have consciousness or that they didn't feel pain so you know i mean isn't there isn't there a kind of argument that that's potentially ableist well i suppose when you think about analgesics and anesthesia and things like that when you're under anesthetic you're not conscious and not feeling pain so maybe maybe there is i'm not sure (laughs) no come on that's totally different that's not the same thing no that's not the same thing at all yeah of course when you're unconscious under anesthetic you don't feel any pain that's not the same thing as saying that if you don't experience consciousness as you just described it that you don't feel pain that there are there are loads of disabled people who wouldn't have consciousness as you just defined it but who would still feel pain well this is the debate it's the differentiation between the physical responses and the emotional response and i suppose either could be valid but it's whether yeah, well, th- th- this is exactly the debate. It just which kind there of feels like it's, it's like the the semantics around what pain is, which yeah, is impossible I, to like test scientifically because it's more I, of a philosophical question. Exactly, and I think that's what a lot of it seems to come to in in the debate because it does seem that it, exactly what I thought. It seems to be a philosophical debate, but you need to determine what what pain is in order to test it scientifically. You, yeah. you need that definition, you need the working definition. Um, so yes, it does seem semantic and philosophical. But anyway, it led to some interesting research on the cognition mm. of fish, which I want to share. Oh, yes. Um, so firstly... Um, Can you phrase it as a question? That's <laughs> too uh, late. It's too late. It's, it's too late. Right. I can't Just do share it, it with spot. me. It's okay. Um, so the current thinking is that fish do respond to pain emotionally as well in a similar way to, oh, to mammals and birds. Yeah. Oh, and God. So there's research that said that from an evolutionary perspective, there's little reason to think that the detection of painful stimuli would be separated from the emotional responses. Mm. And it comes with adaptive benefits such as reflexes and avoidance and Mm -hmm. fear is a key driver of memory formation. And it's been shown that all the key aspects, so learning, memory, emotional drivers, which are important components of pain in in the way we perceive it, sort Mm. of, are all present in fish. So therefore, they most likely feel pain and as but a bit they s- don't just feel pain but they get sad is that what you're telling me <laughs> um well they get scared oh man 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's not surprising. Like, I kind of knew that, but it's just, it feels, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's making me sad to think about it. This will make you sadder as well then, because oh, um, no. I found a really interesting discussion on the complex social behaviours in fish. Uh-huh. And this includes behaviours that fish do, that include social learning, and they have traditions and recognise oh, each other, and they cooperate and share with each other, oh, and have social dude. status, and also oh, play behaviour. guys <laughs> hanging out under there. So play behaviour has been observed in many vertebrates and is deemed to be a a developmental precursor to Mm. many of our behaviours and social skills. Yeah. Um, But up until recently it's been quite difficult or at least it's it's been rarer for fish to be observed in this way just because environmentally it's more difficult than terrestrial animals. Sure. Um, But recent work seems to identify that there is play behaviour in fish with a report of a fish having a peculiar thermometer striking behaviour <laughs> that fits the play definition. Aww. So maybe their play isn't like as kind of advanced as chess and things like that. But <laughs> but they, they do thermometer striking play. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, it seems see, it seems reasonable to assume that they do play more generally. Do you know what this is making me realise is that um, I didn't put in a Finding Nemo question and I really should have oh. done. Yeah. yeah, you should have done. I know. Oh, well, you live and learn. <laughs> oh, and what, one other small, small aside. Apparently fish have good numerical skills. Oh. <laughs> but I don't know what that means because I didn't want to read anymore because I'd already done lots of reading by this point. <laughs> so Fair enough. You can just assume, take that as you like. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm imagining a little underwater abacus and the little fish has got the little like bead in its mouth and it's taking the bead from one end of the underwater <laughs> abacus to the other end and it's counting. <laughs> oh, oh. You may or may not have a question on this, but um, uh-huh. there's a book, book by Julia Donaldson called Tiddler. Oh, interesting. No, I don't. I do have a children's book question, but it's a bit older than uh, yeah, Julia I, Donaldson. We, we, have, um, we have Tiddler, and um, there's, there is a classroom scene which might, might have abacuses in, so maybe, maybe that's oh. more realistic than, um, <laughs> than I gave it credit for. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, question two. Yes, hit True me. or false... A high fish diet can have a karyoprotective effect. Mm. Can you tell me what karyoprotective means? Or do I have no. to know that too? No, because mm. it's already only 50-50. So. <laughs> All right. I don't think you would have put this question in if it were false. So I'm going to say true. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that. I should have double bluffed it. <laughs> What's okay. karyoprotective? Tell me. So true. Um, karyoprotective is to do with uh, resistance from tooth decay. Oh. Um, so the amino. So what does the sorry, karyo part mean? I've no idea. Oh, the keratin is it? Does it have to do with keratin? It's no, C- that's hair, C- right? C A. Uh, yeah, that's that's hair, but it's C A R I O. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. But the amino acid uh, arginine is found in fish and in some other products. Oh. And this. This is um, a lovely thought, but it increases the mouth pH, um, uh-huh. which counteracts the acidic environment that can encourage the growth of acid-resistant bacteria, mm. um, and therefore that that arginine can reduce the demineralization of enamel that occurs 
with acid-resistant bacteria and therefore protects from tooth decay. Um, so I came across this when I was reading about a um, bioarchaeological study which was looking at the diet um, during the Mesolithic... Mesolithic... Meso, meso, I can't I think say it's Mesolithic. Mesolithic. Meso, <laughs> mesolithic, yeah. Uh-huh. That era um, uh-huh. in northeastern Poland. And so at that point, it was covered with post-glacial lakes and rivers um, and therefore had a high availability of aquatic life. Um, so hunters and gatherers were mostly fishes in that area very cool fishermen mm-hmm. so well they're protein from freshwater fish but also they, plant foods they, they, they probably were fisher people fisher people we don't know that it was only the men doing the fishing i'm sure that's true fishermen, anyway fishermen. sorry mm. carry on carry on yeah but i thought it was quite interesting that as yeah. well just just amazes me that they can work all this out from <laughs> looking oh at really i know teeth. question three uh-huh. okay which of the following delicious additions are not mm. usually put usually in there are not ingested via the consumption of fish okay mercury mm-hmm. organochlorine pesticides ocps Ugh. hydrofluoric acid mm-hmm. polychlorinated biphenyls how many of these are there Six. i can't keep them in my head okay <laughs> keep going keep going arsenic uh-huh microplastics which of those Six. Can you tell me the middle three again? Organochlorine pesticides. Uh-huh. Hydrofluoric acid. Uh-huh. Polychlorinated biphenyls. Oh PCBs. I'm gonna try I really don't know. And any of them sound kind of um plausible. I know that mercury and microplastics definitely are. Um I'm gonna try hydrochloric acid. Oh, I swear you have just you're just really lucky with quizzes. <laughs> or am I super smart? Oh, just so lucky. Um, <laughs> yes, hydrofluoric acid is the answer, hopefully, because usually... Oh, we... you said hydrofluoric and I said hydrochloric. Maybe you should knock me down. <laughs> Maybe just give me one yeah, point for different. that one, because I actually... <laughs> I, I did think it was a different thing. Anyway, sorry, Karen. <laughs> yeah, so hydrofluoric acid would probably eat you rather than be eaten. Hmm. Um, so... Not to say that, not definitely, but it's, it's unlikely. Whereas air, all those other joyous elements and compounds are indeed found in commercially available fish. So, yeah, fish get exposed to pollutants through all sorts of sources, as you'd expect. So from mm-hmm. oil spills and sewage leaches to, to the discharge of either industrial or um, urban effluents. Um, in addition to that, there's all sorts of other materials that are reaching the aquatic systems, which aren't necessarily being found in fish yet or at least the research isn't looking for it yet but they uh. include radioactive elements and <laughs> all volatile organic compounds and oh do you know what that see i also don't have um a uh, question i do have a simpsons question but it's not about the i think his name was blinky the three-eyed fish from the simpsons oh yeah do you remember the mutated fish yeah, from yeah. the like down river from the radioactive plant yeah see yeah but there we go. At least, I, at least I have a tie-in to drop in there, even if I didn't plan perfectly. <laughs> no, that 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 is relevant. And although I don't know if there have actually been three-eyed fish, but you never know. There must be uh, three-eyed fish. Pres- somewhere. Prescription, prescription drugs and pharmaceuticals, human and veterinary medicines are another big one. Um, Any ivermectin in there? Yum yum. <laughs> probably now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so. The, going back to the question, though, so the OCPs and P- 
PCBs um, are funnily known as POPs, (laughs) persistent organic pollutants, and they are persistent and bioaccumulative in both humans and also the biosphere and can have disruptive effects on the endocrine, reproductive systems, cardiovascular systems, um, and also are a carcinogenic risk, neurotoxic and genotoxic. Um, Bummerville. Yeah. Arsenic and mercury are obviously not essential and can be toxic at certain in certain forms at a certain level but small quantities which we'll come to in a bit aren't necessarily an issue oh okay um so there are safe-ish levels <laughs> um of arsenic future ashley dropping in here i kind of glossed over the safe limits on mercury and arsenic there Many elements and compounds that are naturally occurring do find ways of reaching our diet through soil and water, and this is normal and natural. However, since some of these elements or compounds can be very hazardous, regulatory bodies specify safe limits within our food. For mercury, the limit is between 0.5 and 1 milligram per kilogram of food, depending on the type of food or even the species. For example, halibut and dogfish are regulated to the 1 milligram per kilogram limit, whereas all other fish species must abide by the lower limit. Arsenic also is found naturally in the environment and in food, particularly fish and rice. This is normally the compound known as organic arsenic, which is less harmful than the industrial arsenic, which is known as inorganic arsenic. Similarly to mercury, the safe levels of arsenic vary dependent on the type of food and the intended recipient, for example, adults or infants. For fish oils, the limit for arsenic is 0.1 milligram per kilogram, but it's five times this level for salt. Um, So research has shown that the certain species of fish, such as sardine, have a tendency to accumulate more of these POPs, the pops and carcinogenic elements, at a higher rate than for other species. Mm -hmm. So they may be less safe for long-term, non-controlled consumption. Okay. And similarly, microplastic ingestion has also been widely acknowledged in fish. Um, and the knock on effect of this is maybe less uh, understood in mm. that the microplastics go on to transfer through the gastrointestinal tra- tract. And then, due to the changes in the pH and the temperature whilst doing that, it enhances that leaching of various chemicals yeah. um, and hazardous substances such as phthalates and BPA and formaldehyde. Now, I don't have this in front of me, so uh, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like I read something not that long ago about a study that had shown that microplastics had broken the blood-brain barrier in mice or something like that. Oh, really? Does that sound possible? So I actually found two different 2022 studies which looked at the effects of nanoplastics on mouse brains. One found that polystyrene microplastics were deposited in microglial cells of the brain after being administered to mice orally, and another found that 50 nanometer polystyrene nanoplastics significantly induced the increase of permeability of the blood-brain barrier and dose-dependently accumulated in the brain of mice. So that is, of course, nanoplastics, uh, but it's still pretty scary stuff. Yes, but what I will say, though, is all of that is very dependent on the particular fish species, where it's come Mm -hmm. from, how it's been consumed. Um, For example, ground fish tend to show a higher abundance of microplastics than the pelagic 
middle water fish uh-huh. and smaller fish that are being consumed without being eviscerated are likely to facilitate that higher transfer of microplastics from fish to humans simply because you're eating everything right um, so there is a lot of variability however it's it's definitely an area that needs more research and more awareness because mm. this is coming back through to us through our food chain <laughs> Anyway, question four. Noted. <laughs> There's not a lot I can do about that, actually. But I'll no, take sorry about that. that. <laughs> um, so, consumption of which of the following foods is a dietary predictor of increased blood mercury levels? Uh-huh. Sunflower oil, mm-hmm. herbal tea. Well, it's going to be the fish one, isn't it? French f- fries. Uh huh. Or baked beans. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think French fries because. They, oh, interesting. Well, baked beans are, where was the study conducted? Mm, good question. I read a couple. I think it was one, the one that I read first was done across the UK and the Seychelles. Uh-huh. And it was the same author, but I didn't actually check where. It's just because I was going to say, was. like, consumption of baked beans is going to be higher in the UK than it is in most other places <laughs> um so like you know um hmm. oh man okay i i don't totally have a rationale for this answer but i'm gonna say french fries oh. <laughs> herbal tea so mercury That's can be found at, interesting yeah. so mercury can be found at relatively high levels um especially in some folk and patent preparations um, but since less people drink herbal tea than consume fish on a regular basis, it's maybe in the general pe- population, it's maybe not so evident. So this particular study, mm-hmm. um, so kind of leading on from um, the mercury in fish, there's some people are wary of eating fish simply, um, or certainly certain types of fish and shellfish, because of concerns over the ingestion of mercury. Mm-hmm. And this is a particular issue in pregnant women who right. who avoid fish and then you they also avoid all the health benefits as well mm-hmm. um, so this study was looking at pregnant mothers and they were evaluating the effects a what were the indicators of having the slight no, no not dangerous levels of mercury or anything but the higher levels of mercury in the blood mm-hmm. um, and they found that whilst shellfish and oily fish white fish were connected herbal tea um, was a statistically significant predictor Interesting. Um, sunflower oil was a predictor but not not statistically significant uh-huh. um, and then on the other hand french fries and baked beans are associated with lower mercury levels well um, okay here's something that's interesting about that is that i would say that herbal tea less so sunflower oil but maybe partly those are kind of class coded right and i would say french fries and baked beans are kind of class coded in the opposite direction like Mm. baked beans are like a very cheap source of protein and they're kind of Mm. like a traditional peasant food french fries i mean everybody loves french fries don't get me wrong but if you're eating a lot of french fries it might be kind of indicate that you're maybe like at a lower income level Mm. herbal tea is going to be something that's a much more kind of like middle class and probably higher income level thing. So I'm just wondering if people who are at a higher income level consume more fish, maybe that could be the reason for the correlation. Does that make sense? I th- I think 
that is maybe part of it but the study did did account for those factors so okay I, so what i'm trying to remember the exact wording but it, something along the lines of the socio-demographic characteristics did have a effect on the kind of predictors of blood mercury levels mm-hmm. um, more so than fish however accounting for that those those factors still still such as consumption of herbal tea mm. still was a predictor of increased levels of blood mercury that's interesting um so yes the issues around mercury and fish is something to be aware of but generally speaking the kind of the cost benefits analysis especially for pregnant women is that the consumption of fish the benefits of that outweighs the potential risks um and the study found um i'm not explaining this very well let me start again okay. the other part of this study found that the children of the mothers with the higher levels of mercury in the blood and were consuming fish had better cognitive st- skills at age seven so it was offset well offset or potentially there's something more complicated that we don't understand yet yeah well again like i do wonder if there are kind of like class and income controls that might need to be applied to really get to the bottom of that i don't know Mm. but uh but yeah that's really interesting though i would i mean you probably can't answer this off the top of your head but um for those of us not that i'm planning on getting pregnant um but you know for those people who don't want to eat fish but do want to get pregnant you know are there other ways of getting those benefits maybe like other supplements that you can omegas Um, your vegan omegas so so the the omega fatty acids are obviously recommended because it regulates the blood clotting Mm -hmm. and artery walls and so it's got a very protective role but the impression i was getting from what i read is there's maybe more to the consumption of fish health benefit wise Mm -hmm. than is just simply to the omega the omega-3 that's very interesting you know to to pull in a little literary reference here in the Jeeves and Worcester books by P.G. Woodhouse Mm. um, the narrator Bertie Worcester is often attributing Jeeves's um, incredible uh, intellectual capacity to his consumption of oily fish (laughs) yeah so it's an association that goes back a number of decades at the very least Although I do also believe that studies have been conducted that show that in general vegetarians have higher cognitive abilities than people who eat meat. So there's obviously something there too. Not that I'm uh, being a propagandist for vegetarianism or anything. I'm just saying, you know, like all is not lost if you don't eat fish, clearly. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's all so interrelated, isn't it? It's mm. it's hard to separate yourself unless you're the expert of <laughs> in each area which which i'm not <laughs> and if you are email us yes email us and tell us the answer and <laughs> um, that is the end of my questions and it would appear that you have six out of eight. Oh, nice let's see if you can get six out of eight i actually have a bonus question. oh wait no wait wait oh what, what did you say in the last one? no four out of eight ha <laughs> wait 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 i know i got the hydrofluoric so got... one and i got the true or false one Oh yeah, what no, was it's six out of eight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so Ashley's research didn't take her in this direction, but I did really want to talk about discarded fishing equipment and 
how much that contributes to ocean plastics because it's something that I found out relatively recently and it really changed my mind about the ecological impact of commercial fishing. So here are a few stats that I managed to find. According to a 2018 study of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, at least 46% of its mass consisted of fishing nets. A 2019 Greenpeace report on ocean plastics found that while so-called ghost gear was only estimated to make up 10% of total plastic waste in the oceans, it represents a much higher proportion of large plastics found floating at the surface, and that figure also doesn't include other waste from fisheries such as packing containers, tape and buoys. And in some specific ocean areas, fishing gear makes up the vast majority of plastic rubbish, including on the seafloor. And of course, it's very dangerous to ocean life because it is designed to get ocean life entangled in it. So I just wanted to share that information. Let's head into the arts and cultures corner. Let's wait for this train to go by (laughs) first... Bye-bye, train. I thought you were on strike. In solidarity. (laughs) No, no, solidarity, and they're not on strike today. Right. I do actually have a little bonus question. This is just a... This is more of a memory test than anything else. I was just wondering if you could remember, what was the term that pescatarian John Ronson used to describe himself? And you may remember John Ronson, if you're not familiar with him otherwise, as the co-writer of Okja. I remember the discussion, but I don't think I can remember the term. It's fish and... Oh, sorry. No, you were still thinking. <laughs> I was. It's not, No, I, I don't know. Go on, tell me. It's fish and chipocrite. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember talking about it. Or listening anyway. to us talking about it. <laughs> I thought that was fun. I've got a, I've got a little music, uh, a couple of music questions first. So do you know the song that goes like, I'm going to try and sing, um, Nobody Call the Police. Um, it's like, dance to your daddy, my little uh, yeah, laddie. Yeah. Dance to your daddy when the boat comes in. You shall have a fishy on a little dishy. You shall have a fishy when the boat comes in. It's a good yeah, song. Yeah, I always used to sing that to Nicole when she was in the bath. Because it had to be fish-related songs, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> it was one, that and one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> so, um, I think that the song became really famous. I mean, it's an old folk song, but I think it became really famous uh, because it was used as a theme of a TV series, also called When the Boat Comes In. Um mm. And it was also used in the Young's Seafood advertising campaign. But Young's changed the lyrics quite considerably from the original... Well, I say original. Obviously, with folk songs, it's hard to say an original. But the the one that was initially listed in the folk song index... So, the original lyrics are a little bit different. So, let's see if you can complete the lyric... Oh no. Come here, my little Jackie. Now I've smoked my backy. Okay, and it's A is the next lyric, let's play hacky sacky. Is the next lyric B, let's have a bit cracky. Is the lyric C, let's get really wacky. Or is the lyric D, our house is made of ticky tacky? I hope it's C. Uh, what what was B again? Let's have a bit cracky. 
bit cracky. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that one because it doesn't make as much sense to me. Yeah, that's a really good uh, approach and it <laughs> served you well because that, right. <laughs> that is actually the answer. So, to be very clear, when uh, the narrator of the song says, let's have a bit cracky, he's not referring to crack cocaine. Um, actually, <laughs> Are you sure? I'm absolutely sure because guess what? This song originates in the northeast of England where I am currently beaming to you from. <laughs> And up here in the northeast of England, as I well know, uh, when we say crack, we mean a bit of fun. Or we sometimes also mean, you know, uh, the situation, you know? So if you say, what's the crack? You're saying, oh, there's oh, been what's so many confused on? conversations because of that. Because <laughs> I've said, what's the crack? <laughs> I thought you were talking about something totally different. <laughs> when we say, what's the crack up here in the northeast? We we mean what what's happening in Irish? I believe it would be kadata ashul. What's going on? What's happening? But we also talk about crack as being a bit of fun. We're having a good time, and I believe that the reason for that is because there's such a big Irish diaspora population up in the northeast, and it is originally an Irish word, crack, spelled C R A I C, meaning a bit of fun bit of crack um so that's the reason for that and i will be coming back to northeast england fishing culture in a later question that's not a spoiler um all right staying on the music theme you may know this i'm not sure if you will it's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings it's a lyric but by which band is it a nirvana b foo fighters C, Silverchair, or D, Fish, with a PH? <laughs> hmm, I don't know. I went through a phase where I quite liked listening to Fish. Oh, interesting. I can't remember any of the lyrics or even the songs. So I had this album when I was... I was going to say when I was your age. What am I talking about? <laughs> when I was a teenager. <laughs> when we were teenagers together as friends, um, I did have this album and I used to listen to it a bit. Um, and I wasn't sure if you were into this band or not, but you'd probably know. Mm. It's one of those things, you, if you know, you know. Well, I don't. Um, I'm going to go for Silver Chair then. Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, no. It's Nirvana. It's oh, from. I nearly went for Nirvana, but I thought Nirvana and Foo Fighters are quite similar. And they are. Well, that's... that's actually why I put them. I I, I, them out. I literally. I was going to say googled. It may have been DuckDuckGo, which I tried to use, but I I searched for bands like Nirvana, <laughs> and right, then I well that worked. I put I put Fish in as like a joke, but um, Silverchair apparently were also like they're an Australian band or were an Australian band that was kind of like hailed as the new Nirvana, and I'd never heard of them before. Not going to lie, um, but something in the way is the song, and it's off the 1991 album Nevermind, which I did listened to a fair amount as a teenager and then never again <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right moving away from music and you're on one at the moment excellent moving away from music in the simpsons episode the old man and the lisa after being convinced by lisa to change his ways mr burns uses ocean plastic to do what is it a generate electricity b manufacture reusable travel cups c catch sea creatures and turn them into a slurry or d 
build a sports stadium. And bear in mind, I know one of these is like ocean creature themed, but the ocean plastic is, you know, in the episode. So, so it could be any of them. <laughs> well, I assumed it could be any of them anyway. No, I know, um, but I'm just saying they're <laughs> all ocean plastic themed, so it's not necessarily the sea creature themed answer, but it might be. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you just made it loads harder now. I was leaning towards either the capturing plastic for energy because he can then add it to his nuclear plant. Or, Makes sense. Or the slurry because, again, maybe he can feed his nuclear plant with it. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> How do you... well, I don't know. Because he's okay. like some evil millionaire who tries anything. But, but do, do nuclear power plants eat slurry? No, but it's The Simpsons, so okay. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily okay. have to follow. Okay. You know, like sci-fi isn't <laughs> science Ooh, fact or something. On my own All right, go on, go on. But that makes me think that's not the answer then. Well, I never said anything about feeding the nuclear power plant <laughs> with the slurry. <laughs> um, I've forgotten what the other two were now. I'm going to go with the first one then. Generate the, um, electricity. Yeah. I'm so sorry, you're wrong. It's catch sea creatures and turn oh, them into come a on. But not to feed to his <laughs> nuclear power plant. That was the one I was going to go for until you laughed at it. No, because you said he was feeding it to his power plant. That's why I was laughing. Um, I think I well, should get half a point. Mm, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, he does use ocean plastic to catch sea creatures and turn them into a slurry. Lisa is, of course, horrified. She realises that he hasn't changed his ways at all, and uh, he completely misunderstood what she was trying to communicate to him, and it's very sad. There was also... So, the answer D, build a sports stadium. There was a later episode called The Burns and the Bees, where Burns did want to build a sports stadium that would be on the site of like an old abandoned greenhouse that Lisa had found that was currently like home to a colony of bees. Uh So there was a Burns and Lisa episode that involved building a sports stadium, but it was a different episode. Um, I can't believe you didn't go for manufacture reusable travel cups. (laughs) (laughs) That seems not not in Mr. Burns' nature. Well, I know, but he changed his ways, except not really. Right, question four. What was unusual about the 2019 Mark Jenkins film Bait, set in a fishing community in Cornwall? Was it A, the first feature film to be made entirely, oh, sorry, kitty cat, to be made entirely in the Cornish language? Was it B, filmed on a hand-cranked Bolex camera and all the dialogue was dubbed? Was it, hello, Kit Kat. <laughs> Heard him. (laughs) (laughs) Did it use rotoscope animation to protect the identities of its subjects? Or was it from the point of view of a fish? Oh, I hope it's the fourth one. I hope it's the point of view of a fish. I'm going to go for that one. Yeah, you know, this is a very well-regarded film, personally. I think I would have liked it better if it had been from the point of view of a fish. But it was actually filmed on a hand-cranked Bolex camera and all the dialogue was dubbed. Um, and you know if, that if makes i hadn't gone for the fish one i'd have gone for the first one so i definitely the f- cornish language the yeah cornish language mm. so apparently there have been now I, I i don't know anything about cornish pronunciation although i do like i've been learning irish so um it's pretty much the same thing isn't it <laughs> no <laughs> they are related but i'm sure that i will get this completely wrong 
but the pronunciation I mean. But there have been feature films in Cornish, one of which was possibly Huero Hueg, which was a 2002 drama film written and directed by Hungarian filmmaker Antal Kovacs. Hmm. So there was a Cornish language feature film going back to 2002 and TV shows going back into at least the 80s. But that would have not been. Not so good... novel then. <laughs> not so novel, but it would have been a good guess. But no, it was uh, what I said about the Bolex camera, which is fine if you like that kind of thing. Mm. Um, no, I mean, it's, it is interesting in terms of the kind of. You know, it's about kind of gentrification and loss of traditional values and stuff in this fishing village. In fact,. It was filmed in Mausel, which leads us on nicely to my next question. Oh, did you put a nice link in there? <laughs> kind of. I had, No, I actually think I found out that it had been filmed in Mausel after I'd reached on this question, but it was a nice little bit of happenstance. So question five. In the 1990 children's book The Mausel Cat by Antonia Barber, how does the cat Mauser save her Cornish fishing village? Does she A, convince the water board not to build its reservoir there? Does she B, soothe the great storm cat with her purring or does she see scare away a water dragon who is eating all the fish hmm i'm going to go for the third one the dragon scaring away the water dragon um well i'm very flattered because i (laughs) i struggled to think of ideas for this one so i'm glad that sounds like a good children's book but unfortunately (laughs) for you um it's b she soothes the great storm cat with her Uh. purring and this i had this book when i was a kid and there was also like an animated version of it made that i think i had on video that sounds like a nice nice story oh it was lovely it's so good it's basically so in mausel they do have this old folk tradition of honoring tom bocock or possibly borcock's eve probably not a historical figure probably just kind of like you know a folk hero but the folk story around this guy is that he went out fishing during terrible storms when nobody was able to get any fish and he you know saved the village with his bravery and in the antonia barber book she takes that story and she adds the cat mauser to it who goes out on the boat with tom and who soothes the storm cats and it's a lovely book and Mm. stargazy pie is something that's talked about a lot which is something that they do traditionally eat on tom borcock's eve but it's mentioned well it's it's a special cornish fish pie where the fish heads are all like poking out of the pastry i've seen that i didn't it's got a nicer name than it sounds i know (laughs) but i have to say like i've never been despite rumors to the contrary a big fish eater even (laughs) <laughs> even um, before I did give up fish, but Especially with faces, yeah. Um, but um, I will say that, like when I was watching that animation as a kid, the fish pies in that story always looked so good and I so wanted to be there like eating the fish pie even though I probably wouldn't even have liked it but it was just like it just made it look so cozy and so cool and I have actually been to Mausel uh, which is a real obviously Cornish fishing village and it's so cool as far as I understand because the harbour just has this tiny little space um, that you can like squeeze a boat through so it's like a mouse hole and then it opens up and uh yeah it was pretty cool Mm. pretty cool yeah 
All right, let's move on. Okay, I'm ready. All right. One man, I'm still on one. Let me check. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, why change things now? <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, uh, question six. Which of the following video games does not have a fishing mechanic? Is it A, The Sims 4? Is it B, Final Fantasy 15? Is it C, Stargy Valley? Or is it D, Stray? Hmm. Well, the only one out of those that I've played is The Sims. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember if that was Sims 4. But I'm going to rule that one out just because mm-hmm. I don't recognise it on that basis. Okay. The valley one sounds like the kind of place where you might do fishing. Mm-hmm. But uh, remember, it's um, we're looking for the one that does not have a fishing mechanic. Oh, yeah, right. So yeah. three of them do, one of them doesn't. Fishing mechanic is in, like, a mechanic who fishes. <laughs> no. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it didn't occur to me that people who don't really know video games would not necessarily know what I meant by mechanic. It just means, it just means like, there's, there's a thing in the game where you can go fishing. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's totally the, different to what I was envisaging. That, that's, the, that's the technical <laughs> explanation. It's a thing in the game. That's what a mechanic is. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was just like somebody who does fishing as a hobby. That's like a... <laughs> but it's, fixing it's, cars in the it's day. It's a feature of <laughs> gameplay, I guess you would say. Okay, I get it now. Oh, in that case, I feel like I've seen adverts of Final Fantasy where they're doing fishing. Mm. Um, I can imagine them doing it in Sims. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've no idea what Stray is, but I'm going to go for that one because I feel like in a valley there's going to be rivers. Yay, you got it. Yay. Um, yeah, so now I will say Stray is the only one of these games I have not played, although I really want to, but it came out pretty recently and um, video games are a bit of a luxury buy for me. But uh, it's it's a little kitty cat that um, is like exploring a town and it has to help these robots and solve a mystery. <laughs> it looks amazing. As far as I can tell, there is no fishing mechanic and I did try to check. Um mm. Obviously, email us at the at gmail.com if I got that wrong. <laughs> but yes, I do really want to play it. I haven't played it yet. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, it doesn't have a fishing mechanic. All the others do. I gotta say, like, I, I love a fishing mechanic in a game, which is weird because if I can be a vegetarian in a game, I will be usually. But for some reason, there's something about fishing... I guess it's just kind of like you're out in nature and it's like peaceful and you're like mm. collecting the different species of fish and usually you get like a little achievement for every different type of fish that you catch and like you use different bait to catch different fish and you like combine them and stuff and there's something really satisfying about that. Yeah, um, I, 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 I can I can see that because I, I could almost I could almost see myself doing fishing if a well, I always liked the idea of doing sea fishing, I suppose, because I always thought that mm. would be quite an exciting activity, except for the fact that you're hurting the fish. <laughs> yeah. So the activity in itself sounds quite but tranquil. I, think, I don't know enough about it, but I think no, I you can do fly fishing and you can, you know, some people do catch fish and throw them back. Obviously, if you're, yeah. you've got a hook, you're still going to do them some damage. But I think if you do fly fishing, you're not necessarily 
hurting them in the same way. So if you were fly yeah. fishing and throwing them out, I'm not. I still wouldn't ever Probably do scaring this. Them. Oh, you'd totally be scaring them and like messing up their ecosystem and all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> but still. Like, as fishing goes, it's probably, like, the least harmful way of doing it. Yeah. Um, unless you're, like, you know, like, a fish scientist who's, like, catching them to, like, tag them and then release them, which I'm sure is very wholesome. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't know enough about it, but I'm going to go with that. Right. So, back to northeast uh, fishing culture now. Oh, yeah, let's let's have a crack. <laughs> let's uh-huh. have a let's have a crack. <laughs> let's have a bit cracky. Oh yeah, <laughs> I believe that's an archaic uh, usage there. So now there is also like th- there was a painting I found that was had a detail of a Cullicutts fishwife that I thought was really interesting. Cullicutts is like a, a town near here, mm. but I couldn't. I found it really hard to think of a question for a painting. I, I mean, I'm sure that's my problem but i yeah i don't know why like i couldn't really figure out apart from doing like oh who painted it a b c d which obviously i could do but it just mm. didn't seem like a very interesting question so i didn't do that but anyway there obviously there is like a rich fishing tradition up here in the northeast of england as there is in cornwall as i've touched on and of course any coastal region is going to have a rich fishing tradition those are just the two that i kind of found a lot of interesting cultural stuff around anyway so the Victorian South Shields fishwife, Dolly Peel, was the subject of a titular 1923 play by Eva Elwes, which was revived in 2005. As well as being a fishwife, what else did Dolly dabble in? <laughs> was it A, poetry? Was it B, smuggling? Was it C, nursing? Was it D, rescuing sailors from press gangs? Or was it E, all of the above? Ooh, I'm going to go for all of the above. Yeah, that good answer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. It's true. What at an least, awesome character. <laughs> yeah, this is the legend, at least, that supposedly... So a fishwife isn't necessarily um, the wife of a fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> but it's also not necessarily the wife of a fisherman. It is any woman who sells fish. Okay. So Molly Malone... Uh, would be a fishwife even though she wasn't married for example well we don't know whether she was married or not uh but we assume she wasn't because there's no mention of a husband in the song as far as i can remember anyway but the point is um yeah fishwife it just means a woman who sells fish it doesn't necessarily mean that they're married but dolly peel was married and when her husband and son were press ganged she hid herself on board the boat to get them out of there and when she was discovered she was uh, persuaded to provide nursing duties huh. so so there was nursing and rescuing sales from press gangs but she did also do poetry now let me just double check who she wrote the uh... right so she wrote the poetry praising the local liberal mp robert ingham during nice. the 1841 <laughs> general election what, uh, why i don't what, know she just liked did, him did... <laughs> did she write poetry just just for that particular purpose or was it a more general pastime? she she published poetry in general but it says okay. most notably versus right, okay. praising <laughs> the local liberal mp robert Ingham. because to come out as a poet just for one particular poem to an mp would be <laughs> to come out as a bold poet. <laughs> 
Mum, Dad, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> oh no, you're never going to have a house. <laughs> uh, oh man, Sorry. that's so true. <laughs> too close for comfort. Uh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> but she also worked as a hawker of allegedly contraband goods, making her a smuggler. Excellent. Possibly. But also, there's a statue to her in South Shields facing the oh, River really? Tyne. Yeah, so she's oh, like nice. a... Yeah, she's like a local kind of colourful character. So there we go, Dolly Peel. All right, so that's three we've got now, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Wait, how many have we had, though? Uh, seven. Uh, okay. So you've got one more. Okay. In the I'm Russian... definitely going to lose them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, unless yeah. we make this last question count for three points. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. In the Russian fairy tale, The Golden Fish, what can the fish of the title do? Can they A, grant wishes? Can they B, turn into a prince when kissed? Or can they C, feed a whole village? Hmm. In the Jesus way, you know. <laughs> well, I'm automatically just thinking of golden golden eggs and golden mm-hmm. geese. Mm-hmm. And that's to do with What do they do? I think eggs. they're just, yeah, they're just gold, right? Hmm. <laughs> I think the fish is, I mean, I think we take it for granted that the fish is gold, but it's not really a power. <laughs> but I suppose gold symbolises wealth. True. And therefore, I'm leaning towards providing food for the village. So I will go with that. For three points, is that your final answer? Yeah, go on. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. Now, I hmm, technically, because the actual answer is grant wishes... Technically, if you <laughs> wished for food for the whole village, then the fish could do that. Yeah. But nobody does that in the story. Um, <laughs> they ask for more wishes, right? <laughs> no, they don't. What it is, um, the humble fisherman says, oh, I need for nothing. I'm but a humble fisherman. I'm poor, but I'm happy. And lets the fish go. But then when he gets home to his horrible shrew of a wife... She says, how dare you let that fish get away when I want things. Go back and catch the fish again and make it give me things. So he does. But then every time he goes out and asks for another wish from the fish. Ooh, that rhymes. The fish makes, or we don't know if it's the fish doing it necessarily, but the the seas get stormier and stormier every time he goes out. Mm. And by the end of the story, you know, it's like, oh, his wife has wished for a bunch of stuff and now she's a noble woman and she's uh, rejected her poor, humble fisherman husband. But then at the very end, she loses everything. And it's a careful what you... No, it's not a careful what you wish for story. It's a don't be greedy story, I guess. Mm. And I guess also, like, work on your marriage because that doesn't (laughs) sound healthy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Don't be greedy. Look after <laughs> your relationships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Words to live by, right? Uh, Excellent fable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but there we go. All right. So at the end of that round, it's six <sighs> to two. I thought I got three. Did you? Yeah, you got no, all of the above. Stray and... Oh, yeah, you did. You got Let's Have a Bit Cracky. I do apologise. Uh, yes. Well <laughs> Thank <done>. you. <laughs> Sorry, it was an accident, I promise. I wasn't trying to shortchange you. Well... But I still lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Well, 
that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Mosco sci-fi faux fun sci-fi faux fun guys <laughs> um ashley would you like to do the links to all the stuff that we have now oh yes we have stuff now we have social stuff um mm-hmm. So if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so via themoscale at gmail.com or yeah. at themoscale on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you can. And please do. And mm. uh, and tell us everything that we got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> tell Let me know. If you've been playing Stray, like, tell me about it. I really, I really want to play it. Um, I'm, and I'm, I'm saving up for it as a special treat. But and yeah, tell us if you awesome. have a golden fish, what would you wish for? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do tell us that. That's a great <laughs> one, Ashley. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Do you? No, I think it's bedtime now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we don't, I don't, do we know what we're doing next time? We haven't decided yet. So well, this was kind of like a bit of a random one, wasn't it? So. Yeah. So okay. tune in next time for... We don't know. It's a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Bye. (laughs) Shall I stop recording now? Yeah. And you shall have a fishy on a little dishy. You shall have a fishy when the board comes in. And dance to your daddy, sing to your mommy, dance to your daddy, to your mommy, sing. Dance to your daddy, sing to your mommy, dance to your daddy, to your mommy, sing. You shall have a fishy on a little dishy, you shall have a haddock when the board comes in.